politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots, to the one and only CR Podcast. This is your host, Daniel Horowitz, back in the house. Your guiding light through this time of fascism. We are always exploring new ways to move on, to fight for liberty, to stand like those Minutemen, our founders, that understood what was at stake. We need to understand what's at stake right now. As we've been talking about all week, today is Friday, and boy, it could not come sooner enough. I am worn out, and I'm very frustrated. But there's a lot that can be done. I'm watching right now as I'm recording Governor Ron DeSantis of Florida holding a press conference with parents of children uh, announcing that his Department of Education and Department of Health will come up with an executive order that is going to force any recalcitrant county into uh, making it optional to, to mask that if any county does force it, he's going to have a way of, I think it's the details are still unclear, but force, uh, you know, take away funding from those counties. And he's the only one. I mean, I can't really think, I mean, I, mean, I guess governor of South Carolina has been pretty good it's a couple, but for the most part, we have the most illogical fascism. They're literally looking us in the eye. They are looking us in the eye and saying, CDC just wrote a memo. That you could still transmit. Basically, the vaccines are garbage and don't work. And therefore, you better get the vaccine and mask. And masks never worked. And you're like, there's no way they can get away with this. I'm, I'm sorry to use the word, and I probably shouldn't, but there is no better analogy. It's not liberal. It's not even fascism. It's pure rape what is going on. It is so illegitimate, and you're thinking, there's no way they can do this and get away with it. And where do we turn? Where do we turn? You have all these states with Republican supermajorities. And so few of them are standing between us and them. And a lot of them are downright agreeing to 90% of this. Which is why you now have Atlanta, Indianapolis, all the major cities in red states are going back to masking not just everyone but even children. The most illogical thing imaginable. The most inhumane, illegal thing imaginable. This is the issue of our time. And the worst Republicans will get to him like Asa Hutchinson is downright all in on the fascism. The better ones are like, well, the vaccines work. So if you have a vaccine, you shouldn't have to wear a mask. What? They actually don't work. But the whole thing doesn't work. The whole thing is a scandal. That in itself, we're not on the hook for the vaccines not working. That's their problem. Unbelievable. So we need to organize red state strike force teams. One of the ways we've done this is by getting together at Front Sight Nevada. That is our little retreat, courtesy of constitutioncoach.com. Um, this is Patriot Academy. Our friend Rick Green teaches constitution classes at night on a four-day retreat. You could go for the two-day or the four-day defensive handgun training. Uh, we we're out at the range learning how to shoot from the holster, headshots, chest shots, clearing malfunctions all day. We learn the Constitution at night. Great way to meet fellow patriots. I will be at the October 31st uh, session. But if you look at, if you go to constitutioncoach.com, you'll find several good dates in the fall when the weather cools down in the Nevada deserts and Pahrump, Nevada. Front site is the training facility. Terrific instructors. Again, this is the best defensive handgun and constitution training in America. Plus, you get to meet yours truly and other patriots in this audience. So again, go to constitutioncoach.com to find out more info. So folks, you know, I was just thinking, just thinking all this through, what we're going through. And it's truly depressing. Like, I watched Ted Cruz and what did he say? Vaccines work. I believe in science. So I stopped wearing a mask. What? But that presupposes that mask mandates are legitimate and told as a vaccine. And actually, they're wrong. They're going to find out very soon that CDC is wrong about everything else they're saying. But they're not wrong that the vaccines don't work. But that in itself is the biggest indictment of them. Rather than this, Republicans should say, you guys said what? You guys shoved on us 
the amount of Americans that died and suffered long-term debilitation, short-term debilitation, unknown risks for something that didn't work. Are you kidding me? And they should put them on trial. And the money we spent on it? Just like with lockdowns, just like with mass, all pain, no gain. And therefore, how dare you do anything to us? You guys need to be thrown in jail. And the only thing you should be doing is handing out ivermectin and all sorts of other things to Americans. That needs to be the message. And that's what I'm pushing with friends of mine, state legislatures. But that is a message we are really not hearing fully from anyone. I mean, the governor of Florida is good on mass. Needs to get a little bit more into some of the therapeutics and the vaccine we're going to see is really doesn't work, but to his credit, he is not pushing it and has certainly um, litigated against all mandates. He just is taking the line that, look, you know, it is working. I, we're obviously going to find that out very soon. Um, it's, it's pretty undeniable when you look at places like Gibraltar, um, you know, they just, uh, they don't really work. They just simply don't work. Uh, every single human being had the vaccine there. And where is this? It's a really good article on this. The conservative woman. It's it's a UK conservative website in the UK. And they talk about Gibraltar um, as the highest COVID mortality rate in the world. Proportional to its small population during the first three weeks of the vaccine rollout that began January 10th this year. Despite the opportunity for a focused inquiry that could have shed light on the vaccine safety, regulators failed to look into claims that the jab itself in the frail and elderly people who received it first contributed to this tragic loss of life, the worst in Gibraltarans in a in over 100 years. More than 78,000 doses were administered, reaching close to 100% of the population. Residents went along with the promises that the jab would prevent the renewal to the lockdowns they suffered last year. But today, Gibraltar has experienced a surge in breakthrough infections. More than 700 people are in self-isolation. That's a huge amount for that size city. And there are over 260 active COVID cases. And again, only seven are receiving hospital treatment. You know, again, this is the story. It's a lie. The The data is clear on that. It's, it's a case-demic. The little problem it does um, cause, we could keep people out of the hospital and prevent deaths with with a bunch of treatments, and that's it. And, and by the way, I wanted to mention that before we have our special guest, we're going to have Don Huffines on, on the show again. He's uh, running against Greg Abbott in the primary. But, you know, I, I was speaking for a long time yesterday. I didn't get stuff done, but it was worth it, with uh, Robert Malone, the founder, the inventor of mRNA vaccines, but not only is he an expert in vaccines, he's an expert in pharmacology, and he actually wrote papers on this last year. I didn't even know about this. See, I don't want people to get too hung up in ivermectin or hydroxy or whatever. It's not about one thing. It's about the fact that we've had 17 months to study a very predictable pulmonary inflammation reaction that usually doesn't occur right away and often takes one to two weeks. And you have so much warning with all the testing and you know you have it. Why haven't we spent a fraction of the money to fund and study trials on there's over a dozen options for cheap repurposed therapeutics that have anti-inflammatory qualities that seem to work specifically towards the mechanism of action of this virus. So, you know, there's probably stuff that's better than ivermectin. The reason why I push is just because it's had the most studies of all this stuff, and it has a very, very broad mechanism of action that's very beneficial in many ways and is really, 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 really safe. Like, we can conclude that over-the-counter level safety. Um, But... You know, he noted he's written a paper on famotidine. Famotidine, that is the active ingredient in what's better known as Pepsid, the over-the-counter heartburn medicine. And you know, in his view, it's better than ivermectin. I'm not, you know, people might say different things. I don't know. It's just one man. I'm just Robert Malone. That's what he told me, and he wrote a paper on it. And you know, we had a sample size of 25 people. So this is the problem. We don't have the keys to the castle. We don't have the resources and often the ability to conduct a trial. But you see promising results. 
So you'd expect the government to use their infinite resources and jump in and do something with a big sample size. But they, they won't do it. And also, you know, Robert's point was, Dr. Malone, his point was that, you know, the, the efficacy is so amazing. See, typically you need a large sample size to see results. But if you do 25 people in a, in a placebo group and 25 people in a study group, very small sample size, but if after a few people you start seeing like a 90% result, you know there's there there. Now, you need a larger study to pinpoint more of the details, but you can't deny there's there there. And his thesis is there's another thing called, um, geez, I don't know how to pronounce it, Selec- Selecoxib. Selecoxib. I'm, I'm horrible at pronouncing things, but C-E-L-E-C-O-X-I-B. That together with famotidine, F-A-M-O-T-I-D-I-N-E, which is Pepsid, he believes it's like lightning in a bottle, the two together. And he, he says maybe perhaps taking those two along with ivermectin. But again, the point is there's so much stuff out there. It's not any one drug. It's that we should have had by now down to a science the exact cocktails for whom, risk stratified, what stage, take it with this, take it with a full stomach, take it with an empty stomach, whatever it is, we should have that guidance like a science and you would keep 95% of people out of the hospital. And then you would build up the one thing that works, which is natural immunity, but do it much safer than we're, we're even able to do. But these bastards, subhuman maggots and something that rhymes with it, they want people to die. You know, I'm always accused of, Daniel, stop belittling fascism and Nazism. If this is not Nazism, I don't know what it is. Webster's Dictionary of Fascism, a political philosophy movement or regime that exalts nation and often race, but doesn't have to be race, nation above the individual and that stands for a centralized autocratic government headed by a dictatorial leader, severe economic and social um, rejuvenation and forcible suppression of opposition. That's what it is. Public health. It's good for the nation. So you have no rights. Censorship. This is not like a far-flung manifestation of fascism. This was the lead ship in the armada of Nazism was public health. Like we had a Jewish Holocaust survivor, child Holocaust survivor um, on the show, Vera Sharav. She talked about that. Just Google my name with Vera Sharav if you haven't heard the show. And you could, you could listen to it. But speaking of civil rights, we have very few lawyers willing to defend civil rights, legitimate ones these days. Alliance Defending Freedom has been standing up for religious liberty, sanctity of life, freedom of speech, marriage, parental rights in America's highest courts for decades and with a pretty good degree of success. Um, they need your help. It's funded only with Patriot money. This is the problem. There is no money in doing what's right. If you go to adflegal.org slash CR as in conservative review, you can get your copy of ADF's ebook titled Generational Wins to understand why it's so important to support their work. Join a growing number of Americans standing in solidarity to defend, defend freedom and liberty to get your copy of Generational Wins absolutely free. That's adflegal.org slash CR, adflegal.org slash CR. I've said this before, but C.S. Lewis had one of the most perspicacious quotes I have ever heard in my life that speaks to the time we live in. Of all tyrannies, a tyranny sincerely exercised for the good of its victims may be the most oppressive. It would be better to live under robber barons than under omnipotent moral busybodies. The robber baron's cruelty may sometimes sleep. His cupidity may at some point be satiated. But those who torment us for our own good will torment us without end, for they do so with the approval of their own conscience. And that's what you're seeing without end. You're like, all right, well, the mask is disproven. Okay, it's over with. Well, they're saying the vaccine is disproven. So at least if they're going to bring back the mask, they're not going to force the vaccination. Nope. We're going to force it more than ever. There is no end unless we put an end to it. You would think the government's own narrative 
is building the best case for early treatment. They're admitting it's going to spread no matter what. They're, they're saying Delta is the most contagious. You're all going to get it. So what are the facts? You're all going to get it. Natural, once you get it, natural immunity is the best. Vaccines don't work. Masks don't work. Lockdowns didn't work. And you have to assume you're going to get it. This le- all roads lead to you have to treat it early. Ivermectin, flu- uh, fluvoxamine, budesonide. Um, and again, this famotidine and celecoxib. Um, these are just a handful of things I could throw at you. There's much more. We've mentioned a couple others in the show before. This is where it's at. But they would rather lead in hell than follow in heaven. They would rather lead stuff that doesn't work, harms people, and actually exacerbates COVID with this antibody-dependent disease enhancement phenomenon that they're creating rather than follow the doctors that have bravely paved the way for treatment. They'll never do that. And then we have in Arkansas, the Republican governor is getting up there and saying he's called a special session for Monday to repeal the ban on mask mandates. He says he's, quote, very concerned about children under 12 who aren't vaccinated getting and spreading the virus. This subhuman maggot and something that rhymes with maggot and starts with an F. This piece of garbage. You know, like, I can understand a Democrat. But these guys are like women's soccer. They're like the WNBA. It's like, if you're into that stuff, I'll watch the real thing. There's zero appeal to a guy like Asa Hutchinson. This is a man who believes that kids do not have the right to breathe freely, but they have the right to access chemical castration. That a state has the ability and prerogative and the right to shut your mouth and nose literally, with, but, but they don't have the right to regulate chemical castration. That is a Southern Republican. Think about it. We, we, uh, this is not my work. Phil Kirpin did great work. He took CDC's death numbers by age, and he plugged into the equation 97% efficacy to the shots, which, mind you, there is not a person alive now that is going to tell you it's 97%. The question is, and I mean, in terms of stopping the virus, it's zero. In terms of critical illness, is it 70, 60, 30 or zero or is it a time lapse and within a few weeks and months it will go down to zero but we put in 97 percent efficacy so it's a hypothetical shot that doesn't exist a kid is still unvaccinated less at risk than a 30 year old which is very low risk vaccinated 97 percent they are 100 times less at risk than a senior vaccinated, 97% efficacy. But even that's not the full story. That presupposes that CDC's death numbers, the total for kids, pediatric COVID deaths is correct. Their own data, they show that 35.2% of those numbers cannot be traced back. And mind you, it's likely more because UK looked at all their numbers and they concluded 61% did not die from COVID. So I trust their numbers more. I'd say it's more like 61%, but even CDC admits 35% are bogus. Plus, to add to that, almost every one of the remainder had very distinct chronic illness. Very defined population does not apply to the overwhelming number of kids. It's not like a kid with childhood diabetes. No, it's, it's really, they were really, unfortunately, not slated to live very long type of deal. Very rare illnesses. Or maybe somewhere child leukemia. Um, but what that means is for a kid that is healthy, it is zero. And you are saying you must get a shot with tremendous risk that now has zero efficacy. And that's the Republican position. I'm calling upon the Arkansas legislature to take up his call, reconvene, 
hold a session on mass and pass a law subjecting anyone who forces mass on children to criminal penalties under, under child, uh, reckless child endangerment statutes. I'm calling upon them to impeach and convict Asa Hutchinson for child abuse. I'm calling upon them to stop all state funding for remdesivir and make freely available packets of vitamin D, zinc, vitamin C, folic acid, serolinium, B6, B12, ivermectin, and other stuff. Um, to send, send home to people, make it over the counter, and convene a panel of doctors to make recommendations to all outpatient clinics and, and PCPs to prescribe different protocols. That is the only way forward. But we don't have that. We don't have that anywhere. So folks, how do we change this trajectory? I mean, this is the big question. We know that a majority of people agree with us on all these issues in numerous parts of our country. As I talked about yesterday, this is James Madison's panic button. This was what he envisioned would always save us, having a very large uh, government, very large republic with a central government, but also layered governments. So no one faction, if they came in and just wanted to totally just seize power and say, you have no bodily autonomy, you have no rights, well, illegals could flood and criminals could do this, but you're crushed. And I mean, this is the nightmare scenario, but what do we do? Um, it's not like Israel, where you have a tiny republic that's all central. Here is much more layered in a much broader government. It's the it's it's much better. We should be reaping the benefits of it, but we're not. We're not. I mean, we have people like Asa Hutchinson that are downright pushing the tyranny. Then you have governors like Greg Abbott that because he has a primary challenge, he's not pushing it now, but he's kind of like, where where is the leadership? CDC declared war on our bodies. They declared war on science. They declared war on law, on humanity, on our children, and... We're not exactly seeing a different, a fundamentally different direction where we're treating COVID differently, where we're able to use the funding to prescribe stuff that works rather than doesn't work. Um, where, yes, they might not have a statewide mandate, but you have all these local cities in all these red states, and I'm seeing in Texas as well, that are ramping up, doubling down like a dog going back to its throw-up and licking it again, the stuff that didn't work and certainly violates the Constitution and science. What is going on? Well, we do have a challenge, a primary challenge, and as I've noted, um, the gubernatorial primaries are truly the most important elections of our lifetime. If you cannot see the importance of governors much more so than really any other uh, you know, senator and even president in the times we live in, governors' races in red states are really where it's at. Well, what's the biggest red state? It's Texas. <laughs> and uh, if we are going to ever take the reins of leadership away from the system and interpose through federalism, it's going to really have to be done in a state with the resources like Texas. And yet, you know, we've had the last generation, we've had these Republican governors, and there's not a lot of leadership. Um, the legislature there, we can't get most stuff passed. There are pretty strong Republican majorities. For a while, they almost had super majorities, and they could potentially grow them next year. But all the committee chairs and leaders are not really good. Um, so what is the story with that? Where can we go Don Huffines has put together a very credible challenge among several other challengers. There will be a runoff next year um, to determine the final two. He was on the show and presented some of his views, but we felt we'd have him back to go into a little bit more detail. So with us today is former state Senator Don Huffines and current gubernatorial candidate. Don, thanks so much for joining us on this Friday morning. Well, thank you, Daniel. I certainly appreciate being on your show. All righty. So, so look, I mean, you see everything that CDC is doing now. Your governor right now, let's say your governor, we fast forward or we, you know, turn back the clock and you would have been governor. What would a Governor Huffines in the Republic of Texas do? 
Well, I would never uh, issue any kind of mask mandate. Uh, I would always make sure vaccines are are voluntary. I was for vaccine choice before the Wuhan virus settled in on, on our state uh, when I served in the legislature. Uh, look, this this is, our current governor Abbott uh, shredded our constitution, and this was the catalyst that I decided uh, to run for governor. Uh, when in one day he put 10 million Texans on on unemployment and made them dependent on the government. Uh, He destroyed tens of thousands of businesses in the state of Texas. He unilaterally picked winners and losers. He decided who was essential, who wasn't, you know, who donated to his campaign and who didn't, what lobbyists got hired. And he shredded our Constitution. The Constitution didn't give him the authority. It doesn't give me the authority to do it. So, of course, I wouldn't do it. Of course, I wouldn't uh, pick winners and losers. I wouldn't shut down the state of Texas. And worse than that. Daniel, he he closed our churches over the holiest week of the year, Easter in 20. And so, uh, you know, you couldn't properly bury the dead. You couldn't get married. You couldn't baptize. You couldn't visit the sick. The whole thing was was uh, was the most the biggest assault on our liberty that's ever happened, I think, in our country. And certainly something I never thought I'd see in my lifetime. So obviously, we know you would never join the forces of darkness, but what do we do now? We need proactive action. So so the problem we have is that we have this corporate, this kind of circuitous cycle between the health bureaucrats in government, the health bureaucrats out of government, but they cycle back in. Um, they pass bills to spend $2 billion marketing the vaccines and censoring all information, and now they themselves admit they don't work. Um, and they send them around to all sorts of stations and all, you know, so if, if you don't toe the line, they're not going to give to your local outlet. So basically, government is behind destroying the free market where people don't even have informed consent. And CDC just uses their megaphone. And then you start having big corporations and employers in Texas that will be conduits for the feds to impose their agenda. And we're finding this on numerous issues. How would you deal with that issue in Texas? You yourself wouldn't push it, but what if you have Travis County and Harris County, governments start doing it, and a bunch of the big corporations start to do it? Force masks, uh, force vaccinations, things like that. Well, sure. Well, if executive orders of the governor that he's been utilizing currently, I would use executive order to unwind anything and prohibit any mass mandates, any uh, mandatory vaccinations, either from the government or from private businesses. I mean, it's simple as that. I would try to do everything I can to make sure that your medical, that people's medical conditions remain private. If they want to get the vaccine, they they can get it. I would make sure that they their employment was never dependent on that. And you know, I I put out a press release recently on this, and it, we need to go further than just kicking the CDC out of Texas. Uh, I I'm proposing that we direct our state health department to create our own safety standard based on real scientific data, and, and it always respects the rights and liberties of all Texans. And you know, this is a very uh, common refrain that we're hearing across our country for many, many years now, if not decades, the federal government overreach into the state sovereignty. I'm going to prove to the to the not just the United States, but to the world what it means to be sovereign, what a Texas, what what it means for a state to be sovereign. It's imperative that we have courageous leadership, <clears throat> excuse me, in Texas. Because, <clears throat> excuse me, because. We're like you, you said earlier in your intro, this is we're the tip of the spear for the country. And that's why this election is so important. Like you were saying, for 22, I think the primary for the governorship of Texas is the most important election in the country. And time will tell, of course, but it could be one of the most important elections in the history of our country for many reasons I'll be happy to discuss. Uh, but we need courageous leadership in this state so desperately. And, and and again, you mentioned the fact that, you know, to use the Department of Health that you have and the resources and funding you have for the good rather than for the bad. One of the problems we're seeing, and we found, found this before COVID, that, you know, on the one hand, there's this very permissive attitude in our society now, very much behind 
legalizing marijuana and making all sorts of things like that um, available. But then when it comes to things that aren't exclusively associated with societal rock cut, it's like there's a lot of stuff you can't get over the counter, which is really annoying and doesn't make sense. And we're really finding this to be a problem. As I'm literally, Don, as I'm talking to you, we have um, an email from a listener that is thanking me for promoting, you know, myfreedoctor.com and some of the doctors we've had on that are rendering services for free to to simply help different people that are just, um, you know, this is from from Skipper in in Iowa, where he had a family member that was getting sick, and he, you know, they had to go around. It was hard to get it, but you know, thankfully because of this network. He wouldn't have been able to get it all. He was able to get ivermectin, but it wasn't until day six. And it worked so well. And in 24 hours, you know, he was um he was recovering and it turned around. But, you know, why we you should be able to get that for everyone on day one and anything else that's proven. So one of the problems I have, Don, is there are shades of gray, depending on the red state, there are less into masks less into mandatory vaccines, less into lockdowns in the blue states, but not enough. But no state is properly treating this and investing the God knows how much money they got from the feds into stuff that works and empowers people rather than lining the pockets of cronies. Well, that's a very, very good point. Excellent point. And look, I think Texans are smart. Uh, We know we've been lied to. And we're tired of it. We were lied to about the origins of this virus. We were lied lied to and continue to be lied to about what can cure it, what to treat it. Our doctors and our medical professions are continually to be punished uh, for even suggesting what might be uh, available on the market out there at a fraction of the cost. So, uh, you know, that's certainly something I'm going to fix as governor of Texas. I will make sure that we have uh, full knowledge to the to the population of what really does work, and I will make sure we're not censored and and in dis, in distributing that information out to everyone. I mean that's the role that is a proper role of government is to have good communication with the citizens about everything that's going to work in a pandemic. It's not our scamdemic or pandemic, whatever you want to call it. But I know one thing: Texans are really tired of being lied to about this whole thing. Now, could you talk a little bit about recently the legislature passed a liability bill? Now, they've been talking about this in a lot of states where they wanted to make sure that businesses that open don't get sued by employers or employees potentially for blaming them for somehow contracting the virus. Texas passed such a bill, but in fact, doesn't this bill make current law worse? Well, it does. It, it's it's not a good solution to the problem. I mean, all you have to do is look around, and I've said this for a long time. Uh, nobody's, no one's had a legal problem in in, in staying open or the mass mandates. It, it, it it's just not an issue yet. I mean, I, I haven't found any court cases where where businesses have been held liable, and so I think it was unnecessary. And now this legislation makes it worse. So, uh, yeah, we it, it was a bad idea. It really was. Yeah, because because my understanding is that there's basically there's a looming concern of liability. But the truth be told, it's not clear someone does have a cause of action. No one has ever successfully sued a workplace for getting the flu or something like that. So, you know, it is kind of unprecedented. And what this bill basically does is it consummates and enshrines a cause of action, albeit it limits it to certain circumstances, but under now, presumptively, you don't really have any cause of action. So this is just another example, and 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 this is pushed by the Chamber of Commerce in all states where Republicans control the legislature. This is the one thing they'll do on COVID, and even then, it's either not the issue or it actually makes current law worse. You know, as I'm talking to you, Don, I'm thinking if you want to go down the liability route, I'd go the other way. I'd create a cause of action to sue employers that force the vaccine because they're they're actually taking a side and forcing people to take it. And my point is, put your money where your mouth is. If it's that safe and effective that you could actually violate all anti-discrimination, 
all health privacy, all ADA laws, that whether we agree with them constitutionally or not, they've been a part of our society for 100 years. Somehow we make a carve out just for this. Well, look, you know, you can't have it both ways. You're going to mandate it, maybe perhaps accept liability. I think it's a great idea. I think that's uh, something we should we should look at, and I will look at. I think it's a great idea. Right now, we're experiencing a surge of of infected immigrants pouring across our border, and uh, this disaster on the border is just it, it, what it is. It's a complete disaster, complete invasion. So, so the, my question to you on that is: Could you articulate more specifically? your plan. A lot of people that are just following this now don't really know the history of Texas, the current governor. They're like, look, you know, he sounds pretty aggressive. He's saying he's going to have the National Guard arrest the the illegals. He's saying he's going to ground transportation for illegals to halt. He seems to be getting the job done. What would you do differently? Well, first, let's set the table correctly. My (laughs) opponent, Greg Abbott, is a career politician, 31 years in elected office. He's really never had a primary opponent in 31 years. Uh, he's a political windsock, and, and he's, a, he's a rhino. He's the definition of a Republican in name only. Uh, if he wanted to secure the border, he could have done it six years ago or six days ago. And he goes down there and sets card tables up and has press conferences and leaves. He's created a, 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 a complete uh, catastrophe down there right now with mixed match of different rules and state laws. These are trying to arrest people for trespassing. It's just, it's just not working at all. I have a, a very comprehensive plan, Daniel, to secure the border. It's one of my top platforms on my, on my campaign. And, and the first thing you need to know is I'm never going to ask permission from the federal government to secure the Texas border. I'm never going to do that. It's not going to happen. I'm going to finish the wall, Trump's wall, or build a Texas wall for several hundred miles, he took that off my website, copied it, and he's going to build it for like around a Whataburger with, with a GoFundMe site. I mean, there's, you know, like 50 feet of it or something. I'm going to build it whatever it takes and spend the money whatever it takes. But the most important part of my border plan is I'm enacting Article 1, Section 10 of the United States Constitution. And you, you know that this, is, this was specifically written for this very occasion. I mean, let's take a look at our founding fathers briefly. If the French invaded South Carolina and the federal government never came to their rescue, of course, South Carolina would have the authority to defend itself and solicit support from neighboring states and charge a tariff and do whatever they needed to do to stop the invasion. They can't rely on the federal government. It's no different than what we're experiencing right now. This is a clear invasion of Texas. We think two million illegals are going to flood into Texas in a 12-month period. Every one of them are being smuggled in by the cartels. As you know, the most dangerous criminal organizations on earth, they make Al-Qaeda look like junior high, murdering, raping, sex trafficking. And and anyway, so we're going to stop it. I'm going to engage the entire Texas military, 20,000 of our National Guard. We're going to secure the river. We're going to force immigration law. There's 25 bridges over the river. We're going to stop all inbound commercial traffic from Mexico to make sure they experience the economic pain, and Texas will too. We do billion, $250 billion worth of trade with Mexico, but they, I'm going to prove to them they need us more than we need them. They need to secure their side of the border. They're being a really bad neighbor. And then we're going to deport every illegal we can find. I'm going to have the strictest E-Verify system in the law. We don't even have that in Texas. We're going to stop all the magnets that attract illegals to Texas. Right now, for decades, illegals can have in-state tuition at our universities. And just to give you an example, uh, we have hundreds of thousands of illegals in our school system that Texas taxpayers have been paying for for decades because of that Piler case in 82. Uh, I'm going to stop this nonsense. I'm going to do in 30 days what no one's done in 30 years. So because I know you could handle this, like I don't I don't give softballs here. I'm going to ask you the the elephant in the room. And, And this is the big problem. It's a big philosophical problem. It's a legal problem. It's a technical problem that we all have now. What do you do when you have a society and a government that is so rigged that they're able to violate law after law, clause after the, of the Constitution. For example, like with immigration, they are literally violating every every word of the INA, waving them in, waving them in. And the courts have no problem with that. You could take them to court. We rarely win in the courts, and no problem with that. Um, the states want to 
you know, go their own way and nullify immigration law. You know, the courts consistently throughout Trump's tenure said pretty much they could do that and the feds can't do anything about it. Yet, yet, the minute we try to reverse engineer the consequences of their illegalities by doing things that often, ideally, the state in a vacuum doesn't have authority to do. Like, for example, you mentioned something very bold that I took out of your statement, and that's big news. You said you would deport them. Now, you're a governor. You're not the president. Um, Technically, that is something that states have never done, don't really have the authority to do, the feds have to do. But obviously, they've... They've need the Fed, it's not like the feds have the authority to invade the country, but they did it anyway and got away with it. How would you deal with that issue in the courts? Because it's not just on the legal immigration. We have this problem, and this is the you know issue we have like with the so-called private businesses mandating stuff. And it's like, yeah, we don't like to regulate private businesses, but it only came about through the federal government pushing illegal. Um, actions that that created either that culture or that law, and now we're dealing with it. You see what I'm saying? This is going to be a big problem that's going to confront you as a governor trying to engage in interposition, the doctrine of least magistrate to have the lower government shield the people from the tyranny. You're going to have the federal courts come in and say, no, 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 no. Suddenly, immigration law is going to exist. Well, uh, that's a very good question, of course. I can tell you this. I'm really not worried about the lawsuits. I'm worried about Texas, and I'm going to put Texans first. The federal government has to be able to enforce a ruling. All the court's doing is just interpreting the law. They don't, they're not enforcing the law, and I think we win on all this. I'm just not overly worried about that. I'm really not. The military's in charge of our security for this state. We are clearly being invaded. We will enforce immigration law. I don't know if it's immigration law we're going to enforce. We're just going to make sure we stop this invasion. And if people are coming across the river invading our country, I mean, our state and our country, they're going to stop. I'm going to stop it. We're going to put them in the bus. and We're going to take them back over to the other side where they came from. And we're going to keep doing it until they cry uncle. Because I'm not concerned about the federal court saying that we can't do that. I'm, I'm, I'm willing to take that fight. I'm willing for, to, to bring it on because I don't think that the federal government wants that image of, of demanding that we open the Texas border. We've already fought a war over that border. It was clearly defined with the blood of Texas patriots. And I can tell you this, we're not giving it back to Mexico. Wow. Um, and and, and, and the irony is that the, the Mexicans don't want it either. I mean, most of the Mexicans, it's, it's a lot of people from throughout the world flooding their country. So we'd actually be, you know, by turning off the magnet here, we'd be preserving a lot of their sovereignty. It's, it's changed a lot since the first wave of illegal immigration that was primarily Mexicans. So now nobody really wants it. Both neighbors, you could probably work amicably to a certain yeah. extent with them. Um, but but you, you are, you're mentioning the elephant in the room, and I just wanted to make sure you were clear on that. Because um, nobody has gone there until now that you are promising to say, wait a minute, you know, why are we tripping over ourselves what we can and cannot do? You know, it's one thing if it's a handful of people, but when you have something this devastating, how could you say they can't do anything? What I find shocking is the dichotomy between what government could do to Americans and what they could do to stop an invasion. When it comes to an invasion, they can't do anything. But when it, they have rights, they have the right to immigrate, anyone could has a claim on, on coming across their border. But yet... When it comes to sovereign American citizens, what I found shocking is, you know, Governor Abbott had no problem last March shutting off the border with Louisiana and putting out state troopers to turn people back and enforce quarantines. And I was thinking, like, a lot of people don't know this, but Article 4 of the Articles of Confederation, meaning even when it was a loose arrangement, states could regulate interstate commerce, but they could not regulate travel slash immigration, meaning you're an American, you're American, you could reciprocity, you could come in between. There was never a notion that a state has the authority to block people from other states. But but somehow when it comes to COVID, no, no, you could do whatever you want, but then you can't even stop a foreign belligerent invasion induced by the cartels when it comes to illegal immigration. Well, absolutely, absolutely what I was going to say. 
I mean, we've shut off, we shut off people from uh, Americans from coming into Texas. I guarantee you, I can shut off for foreigners coming into Texas. I don't know what you listeners know, but since the beginning of the year, I've heard border patrol tell that they've captured in Texas illegals from 120 different countries, 120 different countries. That's half the countries of the world or more. And the cartels are making hundreds of millions of dollars on this process. And this affects every city in the United States of America. And it certainly affects every city in the state of Texas. Every American should be concerned about this. This did you, you probably saw where the Biden administration uh, put out 10 days or two weeks ago that they plan on giving amnesty to every illegal in this country. And they're claiming 11 million. And of course, we know it's 30 to 40 million. And if they get citizenship, in which they will, it's checkmate. Texas will be blue. Texas is probably going blue anyway with our current governor because nobody sees a reason to go out and vote. All the patriots are going to stay home when the governor's no different than the Democrats. I mean, the Republicans no different than the Democrat. And he's been such a failure for Texas. And Texans are smart. They know a failed administration when they see it. And uh, but that's why I'm going to win. And that's why this campaign's on fire right now. But uh, you're, you're so right. I mean, look, I promise you, I will do whatever it takes to close that border. And I'm not asking federal government. I don't care about their lawsuit. Well, where could people go to find out more about your candidacy and potentially help? Well, of course, you can go to my website, donhuffines.com. Daniel, that's H-U-F-F-I-N-E-S. I'm on all over social media. And uh, but the only thing I, I'd like to say to your listeners is that I'm going to show that like I mentioned earlier, what it means to be sovereign. And we it's imperative that Texas uh, bucks up the rest of the nation. And we're going to show, like right now, you know, DeSantis is doing a good job in Florida, and, uh, but, and the Democrats are giving up on Florida because they got such a strong leader. And that's what we're going to have in Texas. It, the only chance we have of saving this country is with the governorship of Texas. The federal government's never going to secure that border. They never have. They never will. The only chance we have of securing that border and saving Texas, which means we're going to save the United States and the free world, is a courageous governor of Texas. And that's what I'm going to do. Well, there you have it, folks. Don Huffines, candidate for governor in the Texas gubernatorial primary. Good luck, Don, and we look forward to hearing back from you again. Uh, thank you, Daniel. And I can promise everybody our greatest days are coming. It's an, it, Our time is now. Uh, it's going to be tremendous going forward. Thank you so much. From your lips to God's ears. Take care. Well, folks, uh, let me know what you think. He certainly was very feisty there. He is laying down a marker that he will, A, deport illegals with Texas military forces. By the way, those of you who are not familiar with Texas, it actually is called the Texas military forces. So they're, they're National Guard, they're... Um, their Air National Guard, there's there's three components to it, and I'm forgetting for, right now. Um, and then you have the Texas Rangers, which is a very robust state law enforcement, Texas DPS, and that's they got to do it. Um, and he is also promising B to basically, he said the courts don't have an enforcement mechanism, and that's what we need. Now, I will admit that is a very hard thing for one man to do. But this is my point. Shouldn't we simultaneously have 20 guys, 20 of them doing the same thing? It would basically establish a precedent. The Democrat governors do that all the time anyway. They get away with it. But they're, in, they're united. This is the point. It, it, I, will, I will say straight up, it will be hard for him to do some of what he wants to do alone. But you get a number of governors doing this, different ballgame. Different ballgame altogether. It's, it's a multiplying effect. See, what people don't realize is rhinos are very much like the way Dr. Malone described antibody-dependent disease enhancement, where you have half-baked antibodies that not only don't block, but they serve as a conduit to invite the virus in. These rhinos in red states are the ones painting the red states blue. The only way to turn them blue is with these people because they turn them blue for free on behalf of the Democrats without the Democrats even having... To be elected. They accomplished what the Democrats couldn't do. Democrats would come in and try that. They'd get kicked out. These guys come in. We have nowhere to turn. So that's with that there. I think it's very, very important to realize it is so in our hands in one election cycle to take back the states. Federal government, it would take 100 election cycles. I've been working my whole life, and we've gone nowhere 
and trying to get better Republicans in the House and Senate. And even if you're president, do you really think you could fix FDA, CDC, DOJ, FBI, DHS? (laughs) Do you think you could fix that? Name me who could fix that. What are you even supposed to do with that? It's gone. The best thing to do now is to quarantine them. Mitigate their um, their porous, you know, dangerous spores, their cancerous effects. That's all we can do. Hey, you could have your fiefdom, you could have your pay for play, do what you want. That ain't happening in Texas. It's not happening in Oklahoma. It's not happening in Kansas, Nebraska, the Dakotas, Idaho, Wyoming, Montana, Alabama, Mississippi. On and on, there is no reason we can't accomplish that. It's time we push sovereignty in the states. As much as we can, that's what we need to do. And as time goes on, it's going to have to head there anyway. Anyone who's honest at all understands that. So folks, we've had a productive week. It's only thanks to you guys growing the show. But look, if every one of you would send this show to all of your friends and relatives and acquaintances we could have an even greater influence. We can grow our Constitution Action Network, our activism tool of the show, where we are actually trying to help get people like Don Huffines elected in primaries, help push legislation, pressure them to take actions in the places where we're the majority, but we don't make it known we're the majority, and that's the thing. We just have to get on the playing field. We have to get on the playing field. I don't have a better solution. It's not. Nothing is instantaneous There is no silver bullet to solving something that has arisen from pretty much several generations of complacency on our part that allowed the left to just take everything over. But that's the best I can think of. And, you know, this race in Texas is very interesting because it is the most important, largest, most resourceful red state. It is the most influential in terms of a major issue, a.k.a. immigration. And, you know, we're blessed with a candidate that has millions of dollars that he's raised. And it's very, very rare. I could tell you as someone who has worked on this for a long time, our primary challengers never have money. So the stars seem to be aligning. Um, I don't have anything against Alan West. My colleague Chad Prather is also running from the blaze here. He's a candidate. There's no concern of splitting the vote because it is all um, there's a runoff, so it's it's fine. But you know, again, he has been very vocal on calling out Abbott, calling for specific policies, keeping the pressure up on him. I'm all for other candidates showing that they could also raise the money and go toe to toe with him and call him out and have policies, but they need to step up. So I haven't endorsed yet, but I do like what I'm seeing so far. And uh, you'll let me know your thoughts on that, dharwitz at blazemedia.com. Folks, let's have a terrific weekend. I need some r and I'm kind of burnt out. But we will be back reinvigorated, same time, same place, Monday, to fight anew for our, for our values. Till then, God bless you all, and thank you for listening. <laughs>